Father in heaven, Lord, we are grateful to be here today. We are thankful that there's people that are interested in, in protecting and taking care of and keeping these creatures that do so much for each one of us and provide us food. We ask as we talk about them that you will bring to my mind things to say and remembrance and that you will help us all to learn and also ask the questions that we need to ask so that we can know how to best care for this earth that you have provided us with. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So this came in early. This was supposed to be towards the end, but we'll talk about it now. These are some of the benefits of what you will get out of honey. Um, there are people that actually will physically go out and intentionally get themselves stung. It's supposed to be good for arthritis. I can tell you that I've had some issues with my hands in the past, and ironically, is, is I get stung periodically, and I've found that as I'm getting stung that sometimes the areas where I've had issues with my hands getting all dry and scaly, it's cleared up. Go figure. Can't say it's because I got stung, but hey, it's an interesting correlation. <clears throat> this is traditionally how you would see a beehive in the wild. That hive, to give you an idea, I think I have a picture of it later, it's approximately that big, and it was in the range of 28 feet up in the air. It was actually a hive that right before one of the races in Daytona, they called me and they said, uh, Kevin, <laughs> can you come up here and help us? So. The reason I know how high it is is because I went to the very top of the ladder and I had to go around branches at the top of the ladder to get to that branch. I actually tied right here and cut off right here and the hive was sitting here swinging like this. Not, not but inches from my leg. Well, they never bothered me and fortunately, um, which meant to me, this is a hive that's worth keeping. No, if this was what would be called an Africanized hive, about half that hive would have been all over me and stinging me. This is traditionally how we keep bees. Um, these are your traditional Langstroth type hives with the exception of this one, which looks identical. Um, or actually, you know what? This is a flow hive. This is a flow hive. That's Langstroth. This is a... Uh, similar to a flow hive, and then those are the Langstroth over there. That's the traditional box like this that most people keep their bees in. And um, this is actually only half of what I have at home right now, and then I have another like nine of them here. This gives you an idea. Good, it worked. Yes, I wasn't sure if it was going to work. This is what it looks like all the time in front of the hives. From about maybe 30 minutes after the sun comes up until right as the sun crests below the earth. Um, they are busy like that all day long and that's how they normally spend their lives, which is why their lives are so short. For a bee, general worker bee, it's gonna, lifespan is probably between two and three months and that's it. The queen can last several years but the bulk of the bees that you will see, that's it. 
Now the way BC, which is something that I've recently found out, is just fascinating. That's what flowers look like to a bee. They see an ultraviolet light. So, you know, you're, you're looking at these beautiful flowers, but imagine seeing this every time you look at a flower. I mean, that, to me, I saw that and I'm like, wow, this is neat. And I couldn't remember all the flowers to tell you and I was gonna put up a picture of the one and the other, but I don't know what the flowers were, so it was gonna be hard to go, okay, here's this and the, what, how we see it and here's how they see it. Um, but, you know, this one obviously, dandelion, you know, but that's just the seed, but that's how they see it. And, you know, these are weeds, for the most part, that we're ripping out of the ground. I'm, I'm thinking that one might be thistle. I'm not positive. But that's what it looks like to them. So, you know, we're, we're kind of limited in how we think things see. They're, the most interesting feature I've found with bees is how they navigate. When a bee comes out of the hive, it will look where the sun is. And by the little wiggle dances that they do, the other bees are telling where it goes in relationship to the sun. And so, you know, if they're saying they wig if they wiggle, I think it's like 10 times, they're going to be going about a mile, I think it is, or something of that nature. But it's, it's really fascinating, and they give the direction tells them which way to go from the direction of the sun. And if you were to, like these right here, the bees that are in this box, they were from my farm in Branford, which is about 30 miles away. When I take them back there, because I have not let them out, they will know where they were. But if I move them to the other side of my field, they will turn around and go right back to where that box was. They have the, like this internal GPS thing that just tells them, they haven't figured it out yet, but it tells them exactly where to go. And that alone is pretty fascinating. So they say with a beehive, you either move it three feet so that they can smell where they're supposed to go if you've moved it, or move them three miles. If you only move them a mile away, they're going back to where they were. Yeah, how, can, how are we good at doing that? Not necessarily, right? So, yeah, this is what I was just saying. You either move them three feet or three miles. Okay, this is kind of like what we call the start of the honey season, the honey flow season. This is actually a maple tree that this is on, and you can see all this pollen that it's packing up. It's got it on its body, and what they do is they just push it all down onto their legs. They have sacks that they fill up and they take that back to the hive. Well, this is getting ready to happen in a matter of maybe days to a week. Some places it's already started. Um, there's actually people that are already harvesting honey from this year, which is a few weeks earlier than normal, but you know it is what it is. So there are some bees that are gonna be connecting, uh, collecting the pollen, others it'll be col collecting nectar. They don't do it on the same trip. And what they do is they come back and they mix the two of those together to make bee bread. Um, it's kind of, trying to think of what the, a similar, it's kind of almost like what we would call a flatbread or a, um, 
oh, what's the term? It's that bread that you pass around everybody where you have this starter solution and then you put it in a baggie and it... It's not yeast, but it's kind of a... Yeah, it's kind of like a sourdough. It's kind of... But it's something where it's basically creating bread by it aging as opposed to um, just basically mixing stuff together. And this is literally just mixing the pollen and honey together to create their food. <clears throat> and this is just a little closer up image that kind of shows, you know, these are the, the honeys sitting in here and the pollen up there. Um, this is what a piece of raw honeycomb would look like if you were to slice it. I have some images in, inside of this hive that we can look at during breaks and stuff. And, and you can pull them up as if you're working on a hive and it will show you what it looks like in there. But of course it won't have the roar and the buzz of 30,000 bees sitting there in your face doing it, which is kind of nice. So for the Lord your God is bringing, or bringing you into a land, a land of brook, brooks of honey, or brooks of water, I need my glasses, that's what I need, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, and a land of olive trees and honey. So when this just kind of points us to the future, um, I can tell you that wheat is not something that bees are involved in. Barley, I'm pretty sure that it's also a wind pollinator. But you, when you start getting into all of your fruits, a lot of your vegetables, um, I believe the number is around 70 to 80% of what we eat is literally a direct result of bees and pollinating. Uh, right now, this time of year, almost 75% of the hives in the United States are headed to California. And they're doing that for the pollinating of the almond trees. So if you're trying to get into beekeeping, this might not be the best of time. Oh, and the finish the verse. And the land which you will eat bread without scarcity <clears throat> and in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of which whose hills you can dig copper. That's from Deuteronomy. Uh, this is the pomegranate. Uh, if you come over and see my booth, you'll see this big picture, and that's this is actually the flower for it. That's a bud, and the bud itself actually is what's going to become down here the whole base of the pomegranate. It's the same material, which is kind of interesting when you look at it, because a lot of times you'll see that the flower and the fruit don't really have a relationship with what it started out as later on, but this. The pomegranate, I've noticed it's a, it's a real waxy coating, and that waxy coating stays, fills up, and that becomes your pomegranate. And um, this is actually at one of the local state parks that I took this one. But here's some, some interesting facts about bees. Bees actually have five eyes. I myself did not realize that until recently. Um, I did not realize that they have an additional three eyes, which you can barely see here. But there's one there, one there, and I think the other one's right there. Because it's underneath of somewhat of a hairy area. But 
They have five eyes. Okay, 70%. I was thinking it was a little, that it was 75, but it's about 70%. And if you're vegetarian and vegan, which, you know, many of us here are, then it's even higher. And of course, this is the slide that, the program that I worked on before working on the one that I had on, the, on my computer. Uh, bees will usually travel within five miles because once they get over five miles, they can do it, but they have to have a really good nectar source to go that extra distance. They will do it if they have to, but they prefer to stay here. So you can see, for example, this is Camp Kalak where we are right now. This is where my orchard is. And so if you were to take this same circle and lay it over top of here, our bees would be interacting with each other because by air, they're not that terribly far apart. Though by driving, it's like 20, 24, 23 miles, something like that. But by air miles, it's a lot less. And of course they aren't following roads, so they could care less. Bees will generally fly about 10 or 15 to 20 miles per hour and flap their wings about 200 times. And hummingbirds, which everybody's always fascinated, including me, by, they can fly a lot faster, but their wings don't actually beat as fast, which I had thought it would probably be the opposite. So it's just an interesting little tidbit. And bees do not remain in the hive to do their business, so to say. They do fly out of the hive. So the bees that are locked up in here, they're waiting until I let them loose, then they will come back in. And uh, even in the middle of winter, when hives are underneath the snow, they will wait until they're able to get out. Um, this is actually where that slide was supposed to go. Um, there's the antibacterial properties of honey. Honey is a substance that stuff just can't live in, okay? It's very good for you, very good for the body. It's good for healing. They use it for dressing. They use it for basic, even in medical fields. The Manuka honey is the one that's most often used because it can take the highest temperatures and still maintain its health benefits. Um, honey quite often, you know, once you get it over about, let's say 110 degrees, 115, it's, properties start declining quickly and so that's why there's people like myself and many others that they will not even warm the honey the honey as it comes out of the hive is the honey that you want you don't they keep it at a, about between 90 and 100 degrees inside the hive and they do that by either flapping their wings to cool it off or eating honey and gorging to make heat so that's, you know, it's not something that you want to mess with. And yes, this is one of those things, guys, where I'm sorry, but we don't do any of the work. The drones do basically nothing but eat. They have no stinger. They do no defense. They do no work. They go out, they serve one purpose, and then they die in the process. And that's it. So they don't live very long either. And most of them actually get killed because they don't need them. The males, the drones have no stinger. Yes. 
and I have an image a little bit later that I'll, I'll show the difference, which is even more fascinating when you start thinking about it, the difference between the queen and the worker as far as their stinger goes. So <clears throat> bees, I've sat there and watched at the ends of my hive, and you know, bees are dying every day inside of the hive. If you have about 50,000 bees, they're constantly being turned over and you have a queen that's laying, can be laying as much as 1,200 eggs a day. Imagine 1,200 eggs every day for years. So as she's laying more, she's generally making extra from what's dying. So let's say six, 700 die every day. Well, there's six or 700 bees are taken away from the hive, and you can sit here and watch them fly off carrying a bee and dropping it out in the woods and then flying back. I mean, we're talking a honeybee carrying a honeybee. You know, of course, they aren't going to have the, the nectar inside of them, so they're not going to be as heavy. But still, that's a lot of weight when you think about carrying somebody that's your size, just picking them up and flying off. You know, I, it's just stuff that I find fascinating. Okay, here's the queen. The queen bee stinger and the worker bee stinger are totally different. That's why the worker bees can only sting one time. Because you see these little barbs down here? When, that, when she stings you, that barb will get stuck in there and then the whole backside of her basically rips off. You know, not her abdomen, stuff like that, but you know, and they, they do not want to necessarily die. That's not their plan. Their plan is not to kill themselves by defending their hives, but they will do that. The queen, which is made from the same egg, the same larva as a worker bee, has a smooth stinger. And you know, you look at some of this and you wonder how can people think creation, I mean, a cre how can you think evolution versus creation? Because, I mean, even just something that simple. There's no difference between these two bees other than what they're fed when they're from an egg as to whether it's going to become a queen or a worker bee. But the worker bees and the queens are fertile eggs. The drones are infertile eggs. So a worker, if a worker later were to turn around and lay eggs, which they can be known to do to try to save a hive, the <clears throat> ones for the workers will be drones. Yeah, this is, this is I think, the difference between, um, that we're dealing with between my, my computer and uh, Apple, I'm guessing. But ounce per ounce, bee venom is more deadly than cobra venom. And um, let's see, for example, myself, let's just say, because I'm right around that 200-pound mark, I'd have to be stung 1,729 times for it to kill me. So the likelihood of that happening is pretty slim. Um, the most so far I've gotten is about 50. Usually if I'm going through a hive, you're going to have bees that will sting on your suit, you know, here and there. The biggest problem that I've run into is if I'm working on the beehive and I lean over here like this, then my veil 
goes right up against the side of my face and it gets me right there. You know, that's generally when I get stung, that's usually where it is and it ends up on my face somewhere. I've gotten a couple on the end of my nose. Uh, I've gotten them in my stomach before. I've had them before um, with the bee suit where they found a hole and all of a sudden they were flying around in front of my face. Stuff happens. It's not the norm. Um, so in the in lifetime of a single bee, a single solitary bee will make one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. That's it. So when you look at a jar of honey, start thinking about how many teaspoons in, are in there times 12. And in its lifetime, in order, order to make, or I should say in order to make a pound of honey, it's got to be, it's going to be a total of about five, 55,000 miles, which is, I think it's two and a half, where did I put on here? Two and a, maybe two and a eighth time around the earth to make a pound of honey. That's how much flying is involved in that. And that's a, one pound is a lifetime of 768 bees, you know. And so when you kind of look at it, you kind of go, you know, it's really not that expensive, is it? And an interesting thing that I actually recently found out is that honey, if, if you were destitute somewhere, if you can have honey, you're not going to die, which is weird, but that's the info. And the darker the honey, the greater the antioxidant properties. I'm not going to tell you the better tasting it is because dark honey is somewhat of an acquired taste or a taste that you'll either like it or you won't. Um, I do have some of our honeys I've got. Um, I've had some bottles that were really, really dark to where you couldn't see through them. And I've had others that were, you know, not quite clear, but close to it. Um, some of your really, really good, healthy honeys are very clear and not necessarily thin, but thinner to where they will actually sugarize. Um, and all you have to do is turn around and warm them back up, but just don't warm them up in the microwave. Just take a pan of warm water and just sit them in, sit them in it, and that will work. This kind of gives you a rough idea. Um, I don't know, can you, can you actually read that at all or not? Okay, this is like alfalfa which I don't have any alfalfa on my fields because I'm growing apples and I understand it's not a good combination. This is apple, um, avocado, this is buckwheat, which that, I'll tell you, is very light looking for buckwheat. Buckwheat is a very, very, very dark honey. Um, down here at the bottom, um, you've probably seen tulip poplar, the tulip tree. That's what this one would be. Tupelo is a very common one, very popular. Sage, orange blossom. So it just kind of gives you a rough idea, just some of the different types of honey. The only way you can call a honey a, a specific honey is if you put the super out on the hive when the flowers start and you pull it out when it's done. That's really the only way you're gonna know that's what it is. Um, Sometimes they, will, they can fill up an entire box. There's a, um, a, a tree that's called the rain tree here in Florida. 
and it gets these really, really bright yellow flowers. And a, a hive can fill up a box in three days and cap it all off within a week and it could be harvested. And a friend of mine, that's his main honey every year is the, the um, rain tree honey. And it's really an interesting taste. And I actually, I have a, I left my sample bottle at home, but I do have a little piece of comb that I can show you in, in our booth from that. I don't know if I brought it over with me or not, but I know I have it at the booth. <clears throat> this is the, one of our hives at our property. You can see for the most part, not completely, but for the most part, you can see this is darker and then it's lighter on these edges. This is a different flower than this, but you will notice down here at the very base of it that they went ahead and finished filling up those frames. So they're not going to waste the frame, so to say. They will fill it, but you know, you'll find that there might be a little bit of a difference. And you'll see over here, this is, this is when it's actually full. This is one of the images that I took that's on our actual display over there. And this is, you know, darker honey than this. This is probably, I can't remember if it's the same hive. Yeah, I think this is the same hive. And I actually, on this particular hive, I harvested it twice in about a month and a half. So you end up, at the right time of year, you can get a lot of honey. The problem people run into is they take a lot of honey and they don't leave as much as they should for the bees. And that's one of the main causes of people having problems. This is just kind of giving you an idea of the pollen, actually. Um, and it gives you, there's different colors of honey, or different colors of pollen that come in. And so, you know, you, if you remember seeing the bee bread picture, there was a whole bunch of different colors. That's why, is because depending on what's in bloom, it can be yellow, it can be green, it can be black, it can be green, you know, all sorts of different things. So there are major threats which have been tremendously reducing hives and hives' ability to thrive. This is one of them. It's known as the Varroa mite. That's, oh, let's see, what did I do? Okay, I got it. Don't touch the, the pad. <laughs> the Varroa mite is what people have been saying for the last several years has been the number one killer of hives. I can, I'm gonna somewhat differ with that, but I'm not gonna go too much into it because if you start keeping bees, you're gonna wanna make your own choices as to what you're gonna use. And I would probably be leaning more towards this. If you've got a farmer next door that's spraying in the middle of the day or in the morning, it's going to be creating a lot of havoc for you, especially if you have your own hives as well. A bee will go to Roundup before it will go to a flower. And if you use seven dust, for example, don't keep bees because seven dust, one grain of one grain, one piece of that powder going into a hive will kill the hive and it will do it really fast.
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.